collective power. We are out to transform trauma system-wide by presenting a mirror of the system to itself. Each month, we focus on one system, and each episode, we focus on one person's experience and their angle. At the end of each month, we bring all those angles together to reveal a new big picture. Stay with us to discover our collective power and what's possible for our city, for our country, and our world. I am Dr. Rita Fierro, and I am your host. Dr. Rita Fierro, and I'm really excited to introduce you to the Collective Power podcast. In this introductory episode, I will just share with you the rationale for giving life to this radio show and to this podcast and why it's so important to me. For 25 years, I've studied racism of all kinds, personal, institutional, systemic. And though I studied racism across different countries, Italy, U.S., U.K., Ghana, and many other countries in Africa, nothing that I learned about racism said that we were powerless. And I'm really daunted by the fact that a lot of books that focus on racism leave us feeling powerless as individuals and as collectives. And so my commitment is to have a conversation about systems and about systemic racism and systemic abuse in a way that doesn't leave us feeling hopeless, but has us actually think creatively about ways that we can join forces and shift the systems that are currently operating. The biggest obstacle that I see then that I've noticed across these 25 years is that in particular white people don't see the system or don't even see a set of systems. We've been trained as whites to attribute everything to individuals, to blame the victim. And that is how we uphold systemic racism and systemic abuse. And so Part of this work is to build our ability as an audience, in particular for white folk, but not only white folk, to actually see the system as a whole. And we do that by seeing the bigger picture and by leveraging individual people's stories in each system. That's why we focus on one system every month. That's why every week we bring to you different guests with absolutely different perspectives on that same system. And so once we see that bigger picture, then what? Well, then we get to start looking at across different systems and see what do all of these systems have in common. So once we've looked at the education system or the child welfare system, or the juvenile justice, or the political, or the medical system, then what? 
then we get to look at the patterns across all systems and generate a vision, see leverage points that will allow us to shift the system as a whole. See, I think that's possible to shift the system as a whole because here's my theory. We know that every single system disproportionately treats poorly people of color. Now that's a fancy word that's from an academic environment. Let me break it down for you. If you take any measure of anything negative across any system, you'll notice that poor people and people of color are overrepresented in that negative measure. So here's an example. Take the number of children who end up in special education or take the number of children suspended. So those are two measures in the education system. Or take the number of child mortality. That's a, that's a measurement from the health system. Or take how long it takes to reunite a child with their parent. In all of these cases, the worst outcome, the worst result, you'll find that children of color are represented in higher percentages than they are in the US population. And so what does that mean? Well, I think that that points to a common recipe of abuse. The analogy I love to make is that it's like a variety pack cheesecake. What we generally call systems change is kind of just moving a topping from one slice to another. Shift a blueberry over here, put the chocolate over there. Well, basically, what we generally call systems change is shifting and tweaking within the same system. But if we know that a variety pack cheesecake is all cheesecake, then if we really want to transform it, what we need to do is shift the common recipe that all slices have in common. That is our vision. That is our vision, what is possible for our city, for our country, and for our world. But in order to do that, we have to be able first to see the system as a whole. We have to be able to discover what, is, what are these common patterns? What is this common recipe? We have to be willing to dive into the real life experiences of people who have so many different experiences. We have to be willing to look for patterns and feel compassionate and alive with our brothers and sisters that are having the toughest times or easier times. We have to be willing to see a bigger picture and that seeing a bigger picture from a place of strength and power and not from a place of powerlessness. Martha Luther King has a gorgeous saying around power and love. Power properly understood is nothing but the ability to achieve purpose. It is the strength required to bring about social, political, and economic change. He also says, power without love is reckless and abusive, and love without power is sentimental and anemic. 
What we're out to do is to listen to people's individual stories from a place of power and love so that we can actually identify what patterns all these systems have in common and how we can change them. Let me give you an example of a time that I really started to understand the system as one. So I finished my PhD in African American studies in 2006. And one of the chapters in my dissertation, I looked at three systems. I looked at the child welfare system, which is the foster care system, for just for those of you who are not familiar with the social work term terminology. So the foster care system, I looked at um, the legal system, and I looked at the welfare system. When I looked at each of these systems, I analyzed them from their inception, the beginning, the first years in which they originated, until today. And what I discovered is that each of those systems had their roots early, early on, but they all had either segregation or discrimination rooted either in the origins of enslavement or the years of segregation. And so when in the 60s and 70s, the federal anti-discrimination laws were passed, each of these systems had to adapt, but they didn't adapt by ending discrimination. They adapted by using the same strategy, but in different ways. What they did is they split. Each system split in a way that they knew which part of services were delivered without ever needing to use the term race. And so there's a coded language that each system used. And so in the legal system, family law was used predominantly for middle-class and white families. Dependency law instead was the law that was used when someone lost custody of their children to DHS. And it had a different body of laws that allowed for a lot more intrusion. In the child welfare system, the children that were poorer and of color were generally placed in an inferior level of treatment. And that inferior level of treatment shifts from 10 years and 10 years, but it was always the children of color who got the inferior treatment most. And as for the welfare system, well, there was a split there too. Because TANF, which is what we originally, what we typically think of when we think of welfare, is what was distributed to predominantly poor families with an incredible amount of supervision. On the other hand, SSI was given to what were at the time called the worthy widows. So predominantly middle class and upper middle class, particular white women, and therefore did not have the checks and balances and intrusions of TANF. So here you can see three systems have the exact same pattern and they re-implemented discrimination, racial discrimination, in the same parallel way. So as we look at systems, it's really important we look for those patterns because it's only looking and identifying patterns that we can really leverage our collective power to shift and transform 
the way our systems perpetuate injustice, discrimination, and trauma. And there's more. We do know that the backbone of all of these systems is punishment. And that is not harming only children of color. And it's not harming only the poor. Redesigning our systems with in mind the most vulnerable won't benefit them alone. Plenty of research shows that there's a preponderance of trauma in white communities as well. So with what we know now about brain science and what we know about trauma, and what is possible is redesigning a system that works for all children. I'm excited to be on this journey with you. I'm excited to learn what we learn together. Thank you for being a listener of Collective Power. And if you have any recommendations or insights, feel free to contact me. We are more than a radio show. We are more than a podcast. Collective Power is an integral part of the work of the Home for Good Coalition, which is a national coalition of people across our nation who are building genuine, authentic, and powerful communities that are envisioning and practicing a new way of being together. We live by being the change we want to see in the world. We live by transforming trauma amongst ourselves first. And with that, everything is possible in terms of transforming the systems in our world, in our country, and in our city as well. If you want to help us offset some of the costs of this podcast, please consider becoming a member. You can see it on our Patreon site. And at whatever level you choose to support, and even if you're just a listener, we thank you for your courage to see the bigger picture. Stay tuned.